What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Politics by Faith, brought to you by Public Square. And Patriot Gold Group, I'm grateful you're here. This is part of our TV show we did the other day. We were talking about the Biden economy, lots of anxiety about the economy, of course. The third segment, we talked about materialism and how we just have so much stuff in America today. Wait till you hear some of the facts we share about how much stuff we have and what that does to our souls and how we should be looking at materialism, especially in light of the economic realities around us. So that was fun. But then we talked with Delano Squires. Delano Squires, if you don't know him, and I'm pretty new to his work, is fantastic. He's a brilliant, wonderful Christian man, great Christian thinker, and has some great insight into what really matters in life. And these are it's always worth the reminder of what truly matters. And I think if we keep our mind fixed on the things that matter, then we can get through any economic turmoil. Enjoy. Have you ever read uh, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe? The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. Quick refresher if it's been a while. One of the boys, Edmund, is lured by the, the queen to betray his brother and sisters with a dessert called Turkish Delight, which is actual candy. It's an actual, like, a, like a gelatinous candy thing with sugar on it. Uh, in Turkish, the word means throat comfort. So the temptation in this story, that the, the Turkish delight, is what uh, a nine-year-old boy would want, a piece of candy. But it, it's a metaphor. It doesn't matter what it is for you, money, sex, power, whatever, whatever it is that tempts you. And for almost all of us, it's materialism. And I say almost all, and it, there could be many things, but almost all of us have this. And I say that because nearly everyone in America has more than anyone has ever had in history, more than anyone in the world has today, and more than they themselves need. We all do. Drew Williams says that Turkish delight shows us three truths about sin. First, sins are most appealing when we're weak. Why do we buy most stuff, or at least a lot of our stuff? It's so easy with Amazon. 
And you can easily buy things when you're depressed. It gives a little dopamine hit to buy something, wait for it to arrive. And as soon as it arrives, that brief fleeting joy goes right away. Second thing, sin takes you very fast to places you never planned to go, as uh, C.S. Lewis makes very clear in that story. And the third, Turkish delight, uh, and these kinds of sins, they always end in betrayal. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And the evil queen, the white witch in Chronicles of Narnia, said that human creature is mine. His life is forfeit to me. His blood is my property. And that's what sin says about us. And the sin of materialism is no different. How bad is it? How bad is the sin of materialism in America today? There are, on average, in every American home, 300,000 items. <laughs> 300,000. The average size of the American house in the last 50 years has tripled. And still, even though our houses have tripled in size, one out of every 10 Americans rents off-site storage. You know the self-storage units? You kidding me? We don't have enough room? You need more? More room for your stuff? One in 10 Americans has one. 25% of people with two-car garages don't have room to park a car in them. Back to storage facilities, there's 50,000 of them across the country. That's five times the number of Starbucks. There are five times as many storage facilities as Starbucks. By the way, I'm guilty of all of these. Not the storage facilities. I don't have anything in storage. But everything else. The garage, owning a ton of stuff, needing more, bigger house. Guilty of all of it. Some British researchers found that the average 10-year-old has how many toys do you think? How many, how many toys do you think the average 10-year-old owns? Uh, 238. And plays with about 12 every day but they have 238 of them. Americans are 3.1% uh, of all the children in the world, 3.1% of children, but American kids own 40% of the toys. The average American woman owns 30 outfits, one for every day of the month. In 1930, it was nine. And all that, nearly half of Americans don't save any money. This is not a good audit. Never have we had so much stuff I can't believe there are buildings where just people keep their extra stuff. We are exploding at the seams with stuff. Back in the day, not that long ago, kids had one toy. <laughs> one. You played with it your entire childhood. It was a fire truck. That was it. And you bought one toaster. And that was your toaster. And you had it forever. Now, part of that is it worked forever because it was well-made here in America, not the crap we buy from China, but whatever. It was the one you had. You didn't have a billion kitchen appliances. And today it's just constant stuff because you just click a few buttons and it gets delivered to your door. And the money's all digital. So it feels like funny money anyway. And we're inundated with it. But the Bible couldn't be more clear. Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When the economy is bad, there's two things you can do. You can make more money or spend less money. We choose to spend more. <laughs> Always. People are still spending more money than ever. It's credit card debt that's going up. 
even with the economy today, people are spending more money than ever. You've been out to eat? Packed. Why? Because we have to constantly get that immediate reward. Have to. You get a jolt of energy. Buying and anticipating. And you get this immediate high, but that treasure is deceptive. It's empty. It's gone. It's gone when you immediately don't care about the thing anymore, or you're just on to the next thing. Because that next thing is what's going to bring that lasting joy. It never does. It ends up being thrown away, and in the end, it's going to be burned up, no matter what. None of this is eternal. I think of that Seinfeld uh, stand-up joke where he talked about how the garage is like this junk purgatory that makes, makes its way to the dump. But you have a thing, but you can't just give it and throw it right away. you got to put it in the garage for 30 years first, and then your kids will throw it away. And nothing's ever made it from the garage back into the house. It's just... So we can do that. Or we could uh, spend less money. And there's another benefit of spending less money. You have more of it. That's, that's one benefit. And the other is you, it's easier to focus on what really matters. Right? You can focus on the narrow road. Now, the narrow road may cost you everything, everything else. But it'll have eternal rewards, eternal rewards that words cannot describe and that stuff can never bring. But we always make the wrong choice over and over. And that's what causes anxiety. That's the theme of this whole show is anxiety. That's the theme of this whole podcast. My podcast, Politics by Faith, is all about anxiety. We have too much of it. We're worried about everything. Houses, jobs, fame, reputation. It's nonstop. How often do we stay awake at night anxious about these things? Have you done that? Have you stayed awake at night? Have you woken up in the middle of the night, can't go back to sleep? Is it the first thing you think of when you wake up? It is for me. How often, though, have you ever stayed up at night worried about the things that God wants you thinking about. Have you done that? Have you ever stayed up so, you just, I can't fall asleep, I'm just, I'm thinking about the things God wants me. I'm thinking about God. Has that ever kept you up at night? Never. Well, also thinking about God's glory will make you fall asleep like a baby. You should feel very bad about this. We should all feel very convicted that we are so foolish. But don't feel bad thinking that it's anything new. Don't, don't feel bad thinking that you're different from anyone else who's ever come before you. It's all the same. You're all the same. We're all the same. People are the same. Human nature is the same. That's why the Constitution is so relevant, because it applies to human nature, which never changes. And that's why, of course, the Bible is so relevant, even thousands of years ago. Isaiah 55.2. This was written 700 BC. Uh, it's worth reading all of chapter 55. It's great. But uh, Isaiah 55.2 says, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Isaiah is bewildered. It's like, what are you doing? Why are you spending your money like an idiot? <laughs> Why are you spending your money on such wasteful nonsense? So when the economy is what it is, we can either make more money or buy less stuff. Of course, there's essentials, but then there's non-essentials. People, myself included, were talking about, oh, we don't have enough money. And look at all the ways we're wasting it. <laughs> but nearly everything else we buy. But the problem with it with buying more stuff. It's not just your wallet and your bank account where it hurts. All that stuff is crowding out your soul. It's making us anxious. We're drowning in all the stuff. It's at least a distraction, if not worse, keeping us away from focusing on God. We think more stuff will solve our problems. It only causes more. As C.S. Lewis said in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, he said, enchanted Turkish delight 
and that anyone who had ever tasted it would want more and more of it and would even, if they were allowed, go on eating it till they killed themselves. We are drowning in Turkish delight. This podcast is brought to you by Public Square. If you are going to spend money, when you do spend money, make sure you spend it with people who share your values. What an incredibly important tool this is. I mean, just this week, we have the Country Music Awards going super woke with these drag queens. Country music. We lost country music. And we have Bud Light with Dylan Mulvaney, this 26-year-old man who acts like a 12-year-old girl. You're like, what is going on? Why are we giving money to these people who hate you and who are pushing this down in your face and down the throats of our kids? Enough already. The Public Square app, it's totally free. And you can search businesses around you and businesses that are nationwide. And do business with them. <laughs> do business with people who identify the problems in this country and also know the solution just like we do. Public Square, totally free download in the App Store. And you can read about these values on their website, publicsq.com. We look at, um, when we look at how strong the economy is, it's because of the president's work. And take an economy that is performing very well. Put it all together, it's a plan to invest in America. Invest in Americans, give them opportunity, invest in ourselves, and it's working. I love it. Things are great. <laughs> the economy's never been better. I'm a big fan of our next guest, Delano Squires. He's a research fellow of life, religion, and family at the Heritage Foundation. Delano, how are you, brother? I'm doing quite well. Thank you for having me. Really good to talk to you. So the big theme of the show is about anxiety. How do we handle mm -hmm. the anxiety of the economy as a Christian? But before mm -hmm. we even get to that, how do we handle the deceit? <laughs> how do you approach that? How do you respond to uh, you being told that things are great, never been better? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, a, a big part of it is to keep, you know, my feet firmly planted in reality. Um, another part is honestly that economic measures on a national level are, are one thing. But each person has to, to see how that economy works for them individually. Um, and, and for a lot of uh, families, as you said, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of anxiety. They see the, the cost of goods going up. Um, at one point, obviously, the cost of, of gas was, was through the roof. Uh, and a lot of families are just trying to make it uh, day by day. And so they don't appreciate being told um, that everything is, is hunky-dory. Uh, by people who live far, far away from where they live and don't have to worry about their problems. It's an interesting political play, if nothing else. <laughs> so let's get to the main theme, anxiety. Uh, mm. I don't know about you, uh, it doesn't matter how much money I have, a lot or a little, uh, it consumes 90% of my thoughts. The first mm. thing I wake up in the morning, uh, that's not good, it's not proper, it's a giant warning bell of my spiritual health at the moment mm. uh, when I do this. So uh, do you have any, any, can you relate at all and how do you work through that? I, I can definitely relate. Um, one of the things that I think of often in, in these types of times is, you know, when the Apostle Paul talked about, you know, he's had severe lack and then he's had surplus. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but in all things, yeah. he's learned to be content. Um, and, that's, and that's a scripture that, that has guided me throughout my days because there have been times where I, I had next to nothing 
And now there are times where I, I feel more comfortable, even though, again, I understand, you know, one serious illness could could plunge myself or, or any other family in, into bankruptcy. So uh, I, I, I try to keep focus. I, I try not to, to dwell on the things that I can't control. Obviously, there are all types of economic factors and, and social and political factors at play at any given time. Um, but but I try to uh, focus on the things that I can control, which is being diligent in my work, um, being appreciative for the things that I do have, um, not allowing myself to be dragged down by the comparison trap, right? looking to the neighbor mm. to the left and to the right and saying, well, I, I wish I had their car, or I wish I had their home, um, but being content for the things that I have. And that's both material possessions, but more importantly, um, that's that's family, that's friends, that's loved ones, and that's time. Because tomorrow is promised to no man. So I, I try um, not to dwell on on what I think is not going right, but to appreciate every moment that I have in the here and now. It's perfect. Why are we so discontent? Why Why can we not hang on to contentment for uh, a moment, however long it takes to buy now on the next Amazon purchase? Mm. What, what is What is the root of our lack of contentment? I, I do think a big part of this is is spiritual, right? As a, as people become disconnected from their creator, um, they tend to look to material possessions to give them some sense of um, identity or, or make them feel as if, you know, acquiring more and more goods is is what life is all about. Um, so so I I do I do think that's a that's a big part of it. And actually, the Wall Street Journal, um, you know, polls that recently came out show that there's been a decline in feelings of patriotism, a decline in people wanting to have children um, from between 1998 and 2023. The one thing that went up during that time was the percentage of people who say that that money is important to them. Uh, so I, I think that our culture is becoming increasingly materialist, um, less and less spiritual, more and more partisan. And, and one of the side effects of sort of a, a victim based culture where every group says, no, I'm the person that's that's really being victimized, um, is that it breeds envy and contempt. So it's not about wh what I have, right? It's always what I have in comparison to what someone else has. And, and typically it's not just that, it's what I have in comparison to what someone else has that I think that they don't deserve. And, and when you operate that way, you will never be content you will never be thankful. You will always have a, a, a chip on your shoulder and a sense that you should have more, be more, and be further along than the next person. And and that is not how you build, you know, a, a stable society. You can't you can't even operate a home that way. Um, so, I think I think again, one, we we need a, a spiritual reformation in in our country, um, and two. We need to to have a sense of gratitude. It's so interesting, Mike. Sometimes you you'll see you know images of people going overseas to do missions trips and so on and so forth. And and I remember even as a as a young kid, uh, this this made an impression on me. A, pe a person might be in a remote village in in Kenya or, or Tanzania or or, or or some other African nation that many of us are not familiar with. And one and and the two things that would always stand out is um, are the, the, the smiles of the people in that village and that they all had a song. Um, but in America, where we have every material comfort, we have more computing 
power in our pockets than, than, than the military had 50 years ago, all we have is a lament and a complaint. Um, so it, it just goes to show you that more goods, more material possessions are not the key to happiness and, and do not provide contentment in and of themselves. Beautifully said. I'm reminded of the story of the pastor who was talking to a pastor from Africa and said, oh, we're praying for you guys, praying for you with your poverty. And the African pastor said, well, we're praying for you guys. <laughs> we're mm. praying for you guys and you're uh, inundated with materialism and all the rest. Mm -hmm. um, let's go back to this dot you connected that I've never connected before. Um, the grievance. So this grievance culture. So help me walk through this. So back mm -hmm. in the day, I have this impression at least that there was an understanding that life would be hard, life mm -hmm. would be difficult, and you were judged based off of how you reacted and overcame. But the last 50 years or so, whatever you think it is, uh, it's grievance, 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 and you're judged based off of how you can't even. Like how, mm -hmm. how little can you overcome is how you're now. But I never connected, I never went one step further to, oh, that discontent has spillover. That discontent leads to, it's a discontent in every aspect of my my mm -hmm. life, including the amount of stuff I don't, the amount of stuff I don't have, and the amount of money I don't have. Go, just say that one more time. Go there one more time because I've never connected that, and I want to make sure I have that down firm. Sure. So, so uh, I mean, part of it is grievance, and I think part of it is just the the human tendency to be jealous and envious. All right. So, I, I think even sometimes in a in a um, you know some some people who are familiar with prosperity churches, right? Mm -hmm. You you may be in a prosperity church and you say, man, I, I wish I can upgrade from my you know, Honda Accord to, I don't know, uh, a Toyota 4Runner. And, and, and you pray to God for that. And, and somehow you get a 4Runner. And then, and then your neighbor drives in the next day and then a Range Rover. And all of a sudden, the 4Runner mm -hmm. that you prayed for is, is not good enough in comparison to what your neighbor has. Um, and, and that's not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily come from a place of grievance, but it comes from the place of envy and jealousy. But a, a grievance culture um, that it has spread throughout every part of our um, of, of the nation and, and our politics and our culture and our music um, that that does breed that sentiment on a much much larger scale and e even the conversations we have around equity uh, equity is not about people maximizing their potential equity is a, is a comparative measure how am I or how is my group doing in relation to another group so th there are probably some people who in, in their quest for equity, they would say, well, um, you know, I, I'd rather everyone make roughly the same amount than for a person who is making very little to have their income doubled. So, so to them, um, less inequity is, is more desirable than a person reaching their full potential. Um, so mm. it, 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 I think it causes a lot of us to constantly be looking to the right and to the left comparing the lives that we expected to have to the ones that we actually have. And that's why when I, when I think about, you know, however people define happiness, I, I don't think about it as a, as a, as a single point. I think, it, I think about it as a line between two points. And those two points are the expectations I had for my life and, and the reality that I'm actually living in. Um, and the further those two things go from one another or are from one another, uh, the less happy people tend to be. Hmm. Very good. Uh, last question, we have 30 seconds. Sure. You briefly mentioned this, but what, what we see, you mentioned the inputs that we are getting, especially kids, but we're all mm -hmm. getting, mm -hmm. uh, that leads to the envy of it. 
let's conclude with what inputs would you recommend mm. we tap into deeper to put us on the right path? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, th I think for me, um, keeping God at the center of my life actually helps with this. It's a protective factor against this type of uh, envy. It's about being appreciative, especially, you know, uh, I have a wife and four young children, and I'm glad that my kids get to spend time with their grandparents. Um, that's actually something that brings me a great deal of joy and contentment. So a big part of it is looking for opportunities to, to have joy, to be thankful, and, and doing those things in a way that's not centered around the big stuff, quote unquote. Um, but just the opportunity to have, you know, a meal with loved ones. Obviously, we saw the, the tragedy in Nashville. Um, we should all understand and recognize that tomorrow is promised to no man. So every moment of every day that we have here in our right minds with the full functioning of our limbs and all of our senses, uh, we should be thankful for that and we should thank God for that. Amen. Delano Squires over at the Heritage Foundation. Please follow him and follow uh, Delano. is doing wonderful work. Delano, I'm grateful for you, man. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Let's do it again. Mike Slater. Hope you enjoyed this special. Hope this can, uh, if nothing else, you know that your anxiety is, uh, you're not alone with it. And we can get through this together and hope it washes away completely from us as we focus on what truly matters. Spread the word. Wait a second, Slater. You're going to do this whole podcast about materialism and, and, and excess and what really matters. And then you're going to tell me to buy gold. Yeah, I, I am. I, I think being a good steward of what you do have, of what God has given you, is clearly a biblical principle. So let's make some good, wise economic decisions and then just be content with that and, and move on. Right? We don't have to obsess over it, but just do some good, solid research and, and don't want to be a burden to people. So let's be good stewards. Call Patriot Gold Group. See if owning gold is right for you. I own gold, physical, real-life gold, which is unbelievable. Like, <laughs> like the idea of owning gold, like that's the stuff of kings, but it's just, they mail it to you. It's like, how can I actually own this? But again, Patriot Gold Group makes it really easy. They also have a no-fee-for-life IRA, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver as well. So see if this is a, a wise move for you. 888-617-6122. 888-617-6122. You get a free investor guide today. And if gold is right for you, I, I can't recommend anyone more than Patriot Gold Group. And it's not just me. Uh, Patriot Gold Group is Consumer Affairs top rated gold IRA dealer six years in a row. 1-888-617-6122, 888-617-6122, patriotgoldgroup.com.